Big Ben's Pittsburgh farewell, the Seahawks and Patriots with blowout wins. Titans clinch the South. Rams and Cards with narrow victories in the West. All that and more coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and making us your first listen every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Get those Twitter questions in for tomorrow's episode. We're going to start looking at playoffs and tiebreakers and what it means for all of these teams in Week 18, what needs to happen for every team to get into the tournament Again, that's at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Lining up some guests as well for later on in the week. No Thursday football anymore, so we're going straight to Sunday yeah. this week with all of the Week 18 games. But we've got plenty of Week 17. Two still. Saturdays though, though BP. Oh, there's oh, excuse me. Yes, there is Saturdays mixed yeah, yeah. in there, and um, they've slowly tried to figure out who those teams are going to be. I kind of like that. I love that they. I, putting... I wanted to talk about that for a second yeah. too. Like that's a good idea. Unless you're, no, I guess Chargers aren't the best example because they don't travel. You know, if you're a fan trying to make your, you know, yeah. your, your travel requests or whatever, and it's like, I don't know when they're playing, hon. I'm not sure when I'm leaving, you know, and the flight's going to be a lot more expensive now. So I'm buying it on Tuesday, and you know. Right. But other yeah. than that, I mean, it's smart because it, you know, it lines up so this team can't tank it. And, you know, I, I like that idea a lot for Week 18. And I love that they're going to put a Sunday night game, which is Chargers and Raiders. They could be a play-in game. And essentially the right. playoffs are starting in Week 18 for some teams. Um, you know, and a couple yeah, of good awesome. Saturday games within divisions. And I love that the division rivalries get to play in the last week and knock each other out or, um, in, in some cases, or you know, put it to put their foot on the neck of uh, of an opponent as the uh, the Steelers did on Monday Night Football. My goodness, Matt! I yeah. I, can I start with this? Can I just say that I was personally offended by how bad the Cleveland Browns were for me in my Locked On Dynasty Championship game? I had oh, the, I, I had the, I had the Browns defense to make it worse. Christopher Carter, who's the host of Locked On Steelers, he had the Steelers defense. And they had nine sacks in that game. And they just, <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't for the Steelers' defense, I would have won that championship because he had Ben Roethlisberger who got him seven points. And um, I, it was I was blown away with how bad the Browns have played down the stretch. Baker Mayfield, after the game, saying he needs to get surgery. And it's like, what are you doing playing? You're hurting your team anyway because he looked awful down the stretch. Of uh, The Browns couldn't move the ball at all and just got thoroughly dominated by the Steelers in prime time. First of all, uh, I'll address the elephant in the room here in Pittsburgh. Ben's last game, very, I mean, that, the whole city's been wearing seven jerseys all day Monday, and every time you turn on the news, it's more Roethlisberger than crime or weather or traffic or anything. I mean, and Steeler Nation came out in a very cool way, and uh, even if you're not a Steelers fan, I thought you had to be a little sentimental with the farewell and all that. I, I thought that whole environment was awesome, and I think his teammates rose to the occasion, even if he didn't. I mean, I'm going to bash the old man here. I mean, they throw they throw short of the sticks every third down. It's, it's remarkable. I read this stat today that his 123 yards are 
by far the least ever produced by an NFL quarterback that threw the ball 45 times or more. I mean, that's hard to do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, so Najee was a beast. The O-line was a little better. The pass rush was remarkable. I mean, Watt now has 20 sacks, and I think he's passed Garrett for player of the year on the defensive side of the ball. Garrett, frankly, has been playing injured for three weeks. He shouldn't have played either. That made no sense to me, just much like Mayfield. And the Steelers batted down five of Mayfield's passes. So, what, he dropped back, I'm looking at, he dropped back 38 times, was sacked nine of them, had four of them batted back in his face, or five of them batted back in his face, and threw two picks. You know, like, his second completion of the game came at the two-minute warning of the first half. I mean, just abysmal. And Steeler fans, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm not sure the Browns were totally into this one either. <laughs> I mean, as an impartial like guy, I'm curious what you think. No, but like, it, yeah, it was it was pretty pathetic performance by the Browns. Oh. They, they were beaten straight. I think a lot of it was the crowd. So, you know, shout out the Heinz Field sure. crowd and, and Steelers Nation as they are known. 84 pass attempts in this game between Mayfield and Roethlisberger and... They they had respectively 185 and 123 passing yards. It's just, uh, just, I mean, it wasn't really great football to watch, let's be honest there. But for me, right. needing something to happen with those Cleveland Browns, if they could have just moved the ball on offense, put the ball in the end zone a few times, and uh, and not given up nine sacks, uh, giving me that fantasy title would have been nice too. So I lost bragging rights, and uh, and I had a, a few hours of just watching dismal football. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you could definitely would think that from a national audience, if you had no Steeler, you know, ties right. to this thing, I'm sure it was the general perception is, boy, does Cleveland look disinterested is a bad word. But, I mean, Johnson outsnapped Chubb in the first half, and this is the worst run defense in the league. And Chubb barely touched the ball, and when he did, he's gouging them. Like I, there's was, a clear. I thought I missed something. Here. I because I, I went and like grabbed something to eat, and I came back and and the, it was number thirty. And I, I was thinking, did Chubb get hurt? And I kind of missed that play I or something, so. and I didn't get a report because what was going on there? It, it really seemed like the Browns packed that one in early <laughs> and let the the Steelers do their whole Ben Roethlisberger farewell story. And speaking of fantasy football, I wonder how many. Uh, how many managers out there lost their title game on that last late touchdown run by Najee Harris? I thought about that too. Yeah. Broke one free and like, boom, that's enough to win it or whatever. And then last Browns note too, Jack Conklin's a really good right tackle. He's out. So they have Hudson in there who I liked as like a mid third round type project tackle out of Cincinnati. They're leaving him alone. Snap after snap against TJ Watt. It's like, <laughs> Are you just trying to get Mayfield to the operating table quicker or what? And the penalties and uh, it oh, yeah. starts are just falling apart. 21 and a half sacks for TJ Watt, by the way. That record is within reach next week, and uh, that'll be fun to watch. He's a what lot a of season. time, too. Yeah. I saw a stat. He's only played, what, 12 games start to finish, right? 12 full games. He's got 21 and, and a half sacks. Left right in one or two of them early. I mean, it's pretty crazy. That is that is nuts. Um so, yeah, Defensive Player of the Year getting locked up this week, I think, for T.J. Watt. Offensive Rookie of the Year yeah. getting locked up by Jamar Chase, I think, this week. So not only yep. playoff spots, but we're we're getting season accolades figured out, I think, at this point of the NFL season. I don't know how much more there is to say about this game, except for um, that it was just – it was it – was, 
cool to see Ben go out on top and, you know, some tears and um, Tomlin trying to get a last time out. Was he going to take him off the field if he got that last time out in with one second and let him walk off the field or whatever? Uh, But it was, you know, I guess it was a good story uh, for Ben Roethlisberger, even though his numbers weren't great for him to get a win in his last game at home. I can't help myself. So my apologies. I'm going to take a personal moment here and read something I just read that I think is pretty crazy about Ben and the series and just a little bit of history. So bear with me. I'm just sure. flattering me. Yeah. But here we go. Roethlisberger is now 25-3-1 versus the Browns for his career. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> the Browns are now 3-29 and in Pittsburgh, including their playoff win last year in their last 32 visits. This was the 18th straight time the Browns have lost in Pittsburgh in the regular season. Roethlisberger tied Brett Favre with 98 wins at a specific stadium, which is third all time. Roethlisberger has only played two games in his career in which Pittsburgh was already mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. That one's crazy to me. That 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 one blows me away. Yeah. Yeah. And then here's two little ones. The Steelers haven't lost at Heinz Field since week three. I mean, they've had a bad year, but they have not lost at home since week three. And the Steelers have won 20 straight home games on Monday Night Football. Wow, okay. A lot of stuff there. A lot of winning. A lot of those are very similar reasons why that's happening. Hall of Fame quarterback with a really good coach and stability in the organization and really makes you wonder. And we've seen what the Steelers have looked like without Ben recently with uh, a few games, uh, especially last season. What's that going to look like going forward for those uh, those Pittsburgh Steelers. There's actually a couple of stats yesterday that it's I didn't It's going to be better read. than the 2021 version of Ben, I hope. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, even with his backups and what they had with Ben out, they weren't better, right? No, those guys are bad, too. So, it's hard. It's hard to find a quarterback in the NFL. And, look, if you can find a Hall of Fame quarterback, that's probably the plan, right, <laughs> for any organization out yeah. there. Because there were some stats yesterday that I didn't read that were similar for Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North, um, and this is just short, oh, short term. But the last two seasons, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, or this is just Aaron Rodgers versus the NFC North, um, last two seasons, 36 touchdowns, zero interceptions. <laughs> I mean, it's Zero. Nuts. Yeah, zero interceptions, 36 touchdowns. Uh, Packers, by the way, become the first team in the NFL in NFL history to win 13 games in three straight seasons. Um, yeah, but that's, impressive. you know... Hall, you get a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you can be good for darn near twenty years. It's it's pretty amazing, and uh, that's why when when we talked about the the Vikings last week, we talked about some other teams, and they're in that mediocrity zone, and and the Panthers in the offseason going and trying to find Sam Darnold. It's like, ah, you know what, man, swing for the fences. Yeah, even if you miss, you tried to get that. That's the goal to do that to dominate your division for twenty years to have thirty six touchdowns to zero interceptions against your division for two years to have a team like the Browns come in who think they're a playoff team and you're like, nope, you're the Browns, we're the Steelers, we're gonna beat you and it's gonna be ugly for you, uh, even when our quarterback can only complete screen passes. Yep, and Mahomes is on that Rogers path of dominating oh, his yeah. division as well. You know, miss a lot, a lot smaller body of work, but just destroys the AFC West. And you're right. I mean, if you're going quarterback shopping, swing for the fences. And the bust rate is high, but you can't overpay a quarterback or you can't spend too much to go get 
Trey Lance or whoever. I mean, if you miss, you try again. Right. You know I mean, if, don't don't settle. If you miss, you try again. And if Tom Brady becomes a free agent, I don't care if he's 44 years old, but spend a couple bucks and, and do that too, you know? Um, right. And right. I think we'll or see that this offseason with some potential quarterbacks that are available and um, not going to fault any team for paying what it costs especially if they've been losing for a while and, and had a tough time finding quarterbacks to go find their guy. And it'll actually be really interesting to see what the Cleveland Browns do this offseason. Big time. I really think they'll bring back Mayfield because they brought, you know, they paid his his money for next year, the fifth year option. And he's getting surgery. I mean, so he wasn't a hundred percent, but he's been terrible all year and they'll bring in some competition and revisit it after next year. Um, I know we have a ton of games to get to. Some of them stink, and so we're not going to spend a lot of time on them. I have one analogy I want to throw at you since you're a baseball guy. Are you ready? I am ready for it, yeah. Hey, okay. I'm, on the I'm, I'm always down to talk baseball. When people talk about the value of a quarterback, and boy, I can't spend $40 million on Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes. I, always, I haven't thrown this out to the public because I'm not smart enough with baseball, but I was thinking it's almost like, what would you pay – Randy Johnson or Roger Clemens, you're dating myself of when I watched baseball last, if he could start every game. Right, yeah, you're you're paying for an entire ace pitching staff, not just one ace pitcher. I think that's perfect. And actually, before you even start saying that, uh, I was going to say it's not just like Randy Johnson or Roger Clemens, it's like an entire pitching staff of that. Right, and, right. Um, and your, your relievers, too, because the quarterback plays the entire game and has that much Touching say over what snap. happens. Yep. Um, and whether they can hit or not, it doesn't matter because they're, they're, it's not about the other side of the ball. Uh, it's, it's, it's that important. I, I think you nailed it. Yeah, it's, it's like having um, the best pitcher in the league the pitching all the time, all of your games right, from right. start Just, to finish. Absolutely. It's a pretty good advantage. I like that. You nailed it. Even though it's a 90s baseball reference, that's okay. Some of the kids out there are like, <laughs> who's Roger Clemens? It's it's rough for those '90s baseball players actually right now trying to get into the Hall of Fame because there's the cloud of right. steroids. It's it's a wild situation right now when it comes to that. And uh, I think maybe the NFL did it right. I think maybe it's too easy to get in the NFL Hall of Fame, but I think the the NFL Hall has it right where the off field stuff doesn't weigh as heavily. And baseball, it's more right. uh, it's more romanticized, and it's like, oh, you did a bad thing, so you can never get in for the rest of your life. Right. Pete Rose was a Hall of Fame player. Oh, the fact that Pete Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame is, is one of the silliest things of all time, especially when you start yeah. comparing to guys who were actually affecting the game on the field as players and maybe cheating there. He was a manager trying to maybe make a couple bucks on a game. It's like, dude, he's not going in the Hall of Fame because of his management skills. Anyways, because his baseball player is the all time hit leader. Right. Exactly. I mean, so yeah, I, I agree. It's craziness. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we got to not only talk, stop talking about this football game on Monday Night Football. We got to stop talking about baseball. Get to the rest of the week. 17 games next. I've got an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It is called GetUpside. I downloaded this app, and uh, I'm blown away how easy it is to get cash back when you're getting gas. Go get the, the best deal on gas you can get. You open it up. There's a map. It says, here's a gas station. Here's the deal. You can get 25 cents back per gallon when you go fill up here. You claim it. Great. You go. You get gas, and you get that money in your account. It's super easy. Uh, I don't know why anybody who gets gas would not use this app, and it's not just gas either. You can find some other deals at GetUpside. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a $0.25 cents per gallon bonus as well on your first fill-up. So that's up to $0.50 cents cash back on your first fill-up. Don't pay, don't pay full price at the pump anymore. 
get cash back using Get Upside. Uh, you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal. You can do an e-gift card or uh, a number of brands. You can get a gift card if you want to buy a gift for somebody with your cash back that you receive from Get Upside. Just download the free Get Upside app. Use promo code Touchdown and get up to fifty cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Again, that is promo code Touchdown with the Get Upside app. How about these Tennessee Titans, Matt? They uh, thoroughly dominated the Dolphins, and uh, you can close the book on the Dolphins trying to make the playoffs here in 2021. Um, and the Titans now sealing their fate uh, as the division champions after a loss of the of Colts. We'll talk about that. 11-5 and five now, and the Titans showing some late life in the season, getting some players back, and I think it's pretty darn clear uh how different this team is when you have A.J. Brown in there, when you maybe get a little from Julio Jones. And don't look now, but for this playoff run for the Titans, Derrick Henry might be on his way back too. 34-3 the final for the Titans here in Week 17. Yeah, I mean, is it crazy to consider Vrabel for Coach of the Year? I mean, he won 11 games with a long stretch of having nothing at the skill position players. And now they're kind of sitting pretty and you know, in in a good spot in the, the in the conference, they won the division, just squashed the Dolphins, which we probably should have seen coming. I think I picked the Dolphins to keep this thing close in a defensive battle, but I don't want to say their winning streak was a fraud because you know, anytime you win that many games in this league, it's commendable. You know, any team can lose to anyone in this league that's not named the Giants or Jags lately. But I mean, the the Dolphins' offense all year has really been a tough watch. I mean, their O-line is bad. I'm having more Tua questions than I did before, and I had some to begin with, and everything's an RPO, or yeah. how can we get the ball to Jalen Waddle? and that's like the whole offense. And Tennessee just controlled this thing from the start. I mean, Tannehill only threw the ball 18 times for 120 yards, and they it was never threatened. I think Vrabel deserves to be in the conversation but yeah. I will say he lost a lot of the games when he didn't have the bullets either. So it's kind of like uh, d- True. give the award to A.J. Brown kind of, you know what I mean? That's, right, right, that right. was the biggest key to all of it maybe. But I, he deserves to be in the conversation. I don't think he should get the award though. But um, I, hear I, I do see what you're saying. And just to keep the team afloat and, and keep them going, and they did win some games when they were undermanned for sure. Uh, and obviously Derrick Henry, the most important of all of them for that offense and the way they've been the last couple of years missing him for as much as they did to end 11-5 is, is really um, – a good statement for Vrabel. They're a tough-minded Patriot-like team, too. I just right. like the way they play the game. Yeah, Tua state- had three, three fumbles in this game, too. I mean, like, protect the football. Yeah, Tua was bad in this game, kind of came back down to earth, and even the games he's played well and been really efficient, you're right. They they throw more RPOs than any team in the league. He's really good at that. He was good at that in college. Um, mm-hmm. Can he develop more? You can see why the the Dolphins had been side-eyeing another quarterback. I wonder what's going to happen there with the Watson stuff, and I think Tua will be a starter somewhere if it's not with the Dolphins. But um, that is uh, that that is a team that commendable effort, but – even though they won all those games in a row, you kind of felt like, yeah, they're not that team, though. And in the end, they weren't. And to a side, the O-line is really, really yes. problematic. I mean, it just is. And Tennessee ran all over these guys as well because they just were always on the field. And I know they've invested some in the offensive line, Eichenberg and Jackson and some of these recent picks, but none of them are you know, legit starters yet. How about Coach of the Year, interim 
Rich Bisaccia, head coach for the the yeah. Las Vegas Raiders. How does this team keep winning? And and Matt, we we are noted Raiders haters here on the podcast, um, according to Raiders fans. And we've left them for dead numerous times. They still got a shot. They're nine and seven now. Beat the Colts on the road, twenty three to twenty. So we've got the nine and seven Raiders, nine and seven Colts now going into Week eighteen. I got to give the Raiders credit. I mean, they are a tough-minded bunch. I've left them for dead 4,000 times, and they still keep coming. I mean, they're Jason Voorhees coming out of the lake time and time again. Carr, I think, is playing quite well. I like how Josh Jacobs is playing for them, too, and they've done this without Waller. I mean, Zay Jones and Renfro. I mean, I'm convinced yeah. Renfro's a really good player. I don't know about Zay Jones. I mean, oh, Renfro, the ball yeah. A lot. Renfro's yeah. like that perfect you know, it was uh, Welker Edelman slot guy. He's smooth. Yeah, he's reliable. tough. He gets open. He's got great ball skills, catches the ball, even though he doesn't look the part and probably gets stopped by security every time he tries to walk into a football stadium. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's a baller. He can play. He absolutely can. Can Carson Wentz, though? I mean, boy, when it, time, when it comes time to count on Wentz, he's been worse than I thought lately. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. Is that just who this guy is? Is he not reliable. I know Indy has some O-line issues to say the least, but um, I- I've said recently, I think the Eagles and the Colts are both happy with the Wentz trade. But when you're looking at the Colts compared to playoff type teams, you know what they have ahead, he's almost always going to be a disadvantage versus the opponent. Yeah. I don't need, Yeah. And it's, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't do special things almost every week and the defense doesn't play at a super high level, and those things have happened uh, numerous times this year, and, and they were pretty good in this one. I mean, Taylor still went for 20 carries, 108 yards, yeah. and a touchdown in this game. But uh, and, and what's funny about Wentz is he's not throwing interceptions, which dogged him a lot in his career. You know, his Absolutely. stat line was 148 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. But just the lack of efficiency there. Um, Pittman's a, a solid receiver, but he's not – a special playmaker, T.Y. T. Hilton had a touchdown in this game, but it was his only catch at 45-yarder. He's not the player he was either. So I think maybe it's a mixture of weapons aside from Taylor and Wentz together where they're all just kind of middle of the road. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, first-round pick receiver might not be a terrible idea or go sign somebody, you know, Godwin or something, you know, right. somebody that's a big-time player. Uh, might be enough to propel these guys a little further or at least help Wentz's cause. Um, last note, though, Colts D has been quite good this year. I mean, I'm not bashing them, but they've been ridiculously good at creating turnovers. And some of that's, you know, coaching and speed and length of guys like Leonard and Okariki and all that. And, they, and they, they obviously scout for those things. But they caused two turnovers in this game and didn't give the ball up and still couldn't quite pull it out. Like, it's a hard formula to count on turnovers and Taylor being great and, you know, the things you mentioned. They probably weren't going to win the division either because of the tiebreakers with the Titans, but now some work to do and some help for those Indianapolis Colts needed in Week 18. What is there to say about the Patriots' 50-10 to win over the Jacksonville Jaguars? 50 points, Matt. Do you have anything big on this one? I mean... (laughs) It wasn't close from the beginning. I just can't say enough how bad the Giants and Jags are, and I think that starts at the top. You would think the Jags is a primo job, but if your boy is still the GM, is it still? And 
you know, good for Mac Jones and Stevenson and Terrace and all those guys. They really weren't challenged at all. <laughs> I mean, really, just a total blowout. Yeah, I mean, three touchdown passes from one rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, three interceptions thrown by the other rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. His best receiver is Laquan Treadwell, who's a journeyman at this point, and it hasn't really looked right. that much different with Laquan Treadwell as it did early in the season when he had a full complement of receivers, including LaVisca Chenault, who's still in there. And I, to be honest with you, I, I think the next offensive coordinator maybe trade Chenault to, uh, um, you know, like the, the the Saints or the 49ers or a team with an offensive coordinator that could use that sort of a, a type of player because the, the right. Jaguars use sure right. can, or maybe he's just not that good. I don't know. Um, uh, Ogunbowale, the the running back, was there. Me, you know, it's just they're undermanned on top of playing bad ball, and I think have checked out. So, just uh, this is a team that's up for the challenge in the Patriots at home against a team who's not up for the challenge in the Jaguars on the road. I think that's pretty much the story there. How about this? Yeah. And this is the classic New England Patriots running game that's so frustrating for fantasy owners. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson comes off of the injured list and shows up with and out carries. Harris by 10 carries 19 to 9 and has 107 yards and two touchdowns Harris did have a couple of touchdowns himself too but uh, in those championship games there's probably a lot of owners out there that were like where'd this Stevenson thing come from didn't expect that even though you know he's been a good player for them as a rookie but that backfield for the Patriots it's just like I almost never want to have Patriots running backs even if they're good because um, they always end up in some funky committee usage always the same always the same I mean I've told the story a lot that the year Welker and Moss and Brady set records. I thought I was so smart. And in a way I was, I'm like, I see this coming. This is the best offense we're going to see in a long time. And people weren't looking at that offense that way. So I'm like, I'm so smart. I'm going to take Lawrence Maroney in the middle of the first round. Well, he's like the only one that didn't do anything on the offense all year. <laughs> you know, Like he was okay, but you know, it's like, you saw it coming, and he took the back, thinking that would be, you know, the, the best offenses and lead back. No, you know, it's just typical. Lawrence Last Maroney, note here. That's I mean, a good pull. 32 first downs by New England to 11 for the Jags, and I bet most of those came when the game didn't matter, which was the whole game. How old do you think Lawrence Maroney is? Because I feel like that's such an old-school pull. <laughs> yeah. he's, only, he's only 36 years old. Wow, okay. Yeah. I don't feel as bad. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, really old. <laughs> How about Matthew Stafford? Another game, another couple of interceptions here. What is going on with Stafford? The Rams still won this football game on the road against the Lamar Jacksonless Baltimore Ravens, twenty to nineteen. Uh, they had to come back and, and sneak away with this victory, though. Um, but the Stafford interceptions, man. The the Rams are a pretty good football team. We know how their team is built. We know what Cooper Cup is doing. We know what Stafford can do when things are right. But this interception thing is more than a trend now for him. Very much so. Um, a good buddy of mine was texting me that knows the game. Actually, my, my Steeler uh, co-host, Dale Lawley, was saying, is Matthew Stafford Jeff George? You know, just teased, <laughs> so talented. And I'm like, eh, I see it. I mean, I can't go that far. But the last couple of games, he has hurt the team dramatically. Then, in the second half, he goes 14 for 14, brings him back, and they win. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and we talked about pass rush early. I mean, Huntley was under pressure the whole time. Five sacks when it was all said and done. Um, Baltimore is a tough-minded team. I mean, I give Harbaugh all the credit in the world for being competitive these last couple of weeks without any corners. Shell of an offensive line, the former MVPs out, no running backs. You know, I mean, it's 
they have nothing at this point, and they're still hanging around. So I give the Ravens credit. Yeah, commendable there. And they did almost knock off those Los Angeles Rams. Rams now uh, in control of the NFC West at 12-4, and four, heading into the playoffs with some of those uh, seeds to be determined in Week 18. Next, we've got a ton of games to talk about here still. Uh, we've got Cardinals, Cowboys. We've got Panthers, Saints. I uh, know we talked about Saints yesterday. We're good there. Um, and, oh, actually, we're doing pretty well here. Okay, so we got Lions, Seahawks. We've got Chargers, Broncos, and Cardinals, Cowboys to finish up Week 17 next. You like any of these lines for the NFL schedule this week? Well, you can find all of the odds, props, and lines at betonline.ag as we head toward the playoffs and the College Bowl season. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Not only football, you've got pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, all of your favorite Vegas casino games as well. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2022 year. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code locked on to receive that bonus at Bet Online, where the game starts. Sticking in the NFC West here, the Arizona Cardinals knocked off the Cowboys on the road. So uh, trying to to keep up with those Rams and need some help next week. The Cardinals uh, also road warriors here with a, a narrow victory on the road. 25-22 over the Dallas Cowboys. Interesting here because uh, these are playoff teams. These teams might see each other again sometime soon. Huge win for the Cardinals. And I was one that was starting to get very skeptical of where they're at. And Kyler played quite well. Their run defense was really, really good. And they were, you know, they had some opportunistic Buda Baker, Chandler Jones, Isaiah Simmons guys that made a lot of plays on defense. So this was a game they had to have. Just when I'm feeling confident about Dallas, though, they do this. I mean, it just <laughs> seems like kind of a McCarthy thing slash cowboy thing, ready to put them right at the top of power ranks and then. They get kind of, you know, not embarrassed, but they didn't play very well in this game at all. And I thought the the, the team defense would be, you know, enough to slow down the, the Cardinal speed, and it really wasn't. And Gallup gets hurt on a touchdown, and I don't think Elliott yeah. looks right. And, you know, the, the receiver distribution's a little odd, too. Right, and, and this is kind of what's been happening this year. Right after you think, oh, no, the, the Cowboys look like the juggernaut team of the NFC going to the playoffs hitting on all cylinders, offense, defense, running game, passing game. Then they come out in this one, can't run the football, um, can't really get much going through the air. They did. Uh, there was three touchdown passes from Dak Prescott, but there was no real big numbers and, and huge output here. Mm-hmm. Um, fumbled the ball three times, only lost one of those fumbles, did Dak Prescott. Uh, Michael Gallup has a torn ACL, and now that puts in his next season in doubt as well. So that's and a really a free tough agent se- too. situation for him. Yeah, Poor so guy. gonna lose some money. He's gonna have to just take a one-year show-me deal with some team or maybe just stick with the Cowboys for one more. But he, uh, he deserved to get paid as a starter somewhere um, instead of being the number three guy in Dallas. So uh, he did have a touchdown catch in this one, by the way. So that's a tough situation for the Cowboys. And now I don't know what to think. I, I was ready to go stock down Cardinals, stock up Cowboys, and now I feel reversed. Don't feel super good about what's going on with the Buccaneers or the Rams either. So 
like are the Packers going to run in, run away with this thing, or you just shake up the the dice and, and see what happens again next week because it seems to change weekly here in the NFL. No, you're right. I mean, the non-Packers NFC contenders, I mean, I'm not going to include the Niners and Eagles there quite yet unless they do more. Boy, I mean, everyone has issues now except for Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay is set up really, really well. And Green Bay is the team that's getting healthier and better. Like the the Titans and the Packers. Right. The Titans and Packers have to feel pretty good about where they're at now with what's happened this season and where they're at going to the playoffs and actually getting healthier while other teams are are losing guys. Right. Exactly. It's a good point. I mean, the momentum is favoring those guys right now. So the Rams still a game up on those Cardinals in the West. Um, and uh, Rams and Bucks at 12 wins, Cowboys and Cardinals at 11 wins in those two through five seeds in the NFC. Let's move along to the Broncos and Chargers here. And um, the Bron- or the Chargers, after just their worst game of the season, giving up 41 points to the Houston Texans last week, they come back this week and only give up 13 points to the Denver Broncos and win this one easily and uh, keep their playoff hopes alive. 34-13 win. Broncos fall to 7-9. and And the Chargers improve to 9-7 and with maybe a play-in game next week with those Las Vegas Raiders in prime time. Yeah, I mean, this was pretty much a dominating performance as well. Exactly what you want to see with the Chargers really leading into their playoff start now. Denver, I mean, they couldn't run the ball very well. 27 tries, only 83 yards. We know that has to be their foundation. And while Locke's numbers aren't terrible, it it wasn't super impressive. And my hunch is if we calculated it all, a lot of the production would be in the fourth quarter. I mean, this game was out of reach. And Denver scored all their points in the fourth quarter except for three. You know, I mean, that's – I have real mixed feelings about Denver, Fangio, big picture. You know, would I make a change or not? That's probably a conversation for another day. But it was good to see Mike Williams get back making a big play. And they got some guys here in L.A. And they stopped the run better, which has been a huge problem for them. Cortland Sutton was obviously coming off the ACL injury. Um, Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy both on COVID this week. So, you know, not a full complement of, of passing game weapons. Noah Fant had six catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. He was the, the number one weapon for Drew Locke here. But looking at that Denver Broncos offense, two-headed monster at running back, are, is it all put on the quarterback? Is it offensive coordinator? Are the receivers not as good as I thought? Because I thought there was going to be a really good um, group of receivers that were going to put up numbers, and nobody has in that Broncos offense. Uh, so I feel like you got to like if, – like if Aaron Rodgers comes to – the Broncos uh, is Jerry Judy going to turn out to be the next Devonte Adams? Like, is it that? Is it that cut and dry? Is it that um, obvious of a situation that a quarterback could make that big of a difference for the Broncos' offense? It's a tough one because I'm not super impressed with you know the uh, the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball, and I've said this many times. I think Fangio is really a defensive coordinator and not a CEO. I mean, he's a X's and O's guy for one side of the ball. So I think they have some fundamental issues, but it's probably a little too simple to just say this team, it's all Teddy Bridgewater's fault or, you know what I mean? Right. Rogers is different. If you threw Rogers on this team, I think they win 13 win games like the Packers do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I tend to feel the same way. And uh, with Fangio, I mean, look, 
that would probably fix a lot. So if you can get yeah. Rodgers, you might as well keep Fangio and make sure the defense is good too, right? And if not, um, maybe you, you do need a new CEO and a new head coach and Fangio can uh, you know become the highest paid defensive coordinator for some other team and, and, and maybe try to uh, fix the offense that way. But yeah, some big decisions for the Broncos coming up this offseason. And what can you say about the Chargers? Big win that they needed here to stay alive in the AFC, and they did it. Uh, Mike Williams with the big 45-yard touchdown catch in this one. Uh, Keenan Allen, another touchdown reception as well, and a, and a pretty balanced offensive attack here with Eckler and Jackson, the two-headed monster at running back for uh, for those Chargers. Yep, and uh, wrap this thing up, but I mean, the the Broncos, if they could get Roger Clemens to pitch every inning, probably might not matter <laughs> right. to the manager. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You, you don't want to go to, like, Juan Marichal, Warren Spahn? You, you don't want to go that far back? You can stick with the 90s? Uh, how about – I could do Steve Carlton, Nolan okay. Ryan neighborhood. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Nolan uh, Okay, good lefty. I, I think there's some correlation there. Uh, Nolan Ryan and and Tom Brady with the longevity. If uh, if Nolan Ryan could have pitched every game, and who knows, for for, uh, for pitchers, he might have been the, the guy that could do it for how much he could throw the ball. And still through, I think it was 85 miles an hour when he was throwing out the first pitch at 65 years old uh, not that long ago. So um, We could really go back. Cy Young actually did that. No wonder you have 511 <laughs> wins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pitches every game. Yeah, the dead ball era stuff when you're they were swinging <laughs> 45 ounce wooden bats, just chunks right, of trees, basically. Right. Um, all right, let's go to the final game we have not covered yet from week 17, and it was a blowout win. A couple of 50 burgers thrown out by teams this week. The Seahawks, um, 51 29 was the final here. Seahawks over the Lions and we got this one wrong I thought the Lions were going to keep this close with how bad the Seahawks had been playing but the Seahawks busted out finally on offense Russell Wilson four touchdown passes three of those to DK Metcalf um, those two have been so disappointing for uh, the fantasy universe and just the uh, the football universe and un- unfortunately it happened in the week that DK Metcalf was playing against me in the uh, Locked On Dynasty <laughs> Finals. I'll throw that out there, by the way. And Rashad Penny going for 170 and two touchdowns again against me in fantasy football. Come on, Seahawks. You're going to wait till this week in the championship game to do something on offense and just hurt me personally? Um, but anyway, yeah, this was uh, this was a blowout win by the Seahawks over those Lions. And I don't even know what to think about the Seahawks uh, all of a sudden playing well. I mean, obviously, the, the Lions are not a great football team and undermanned, but they had been keeping it close and and um, and playing pretty well, and the Seahawks have been playing awful. So I guess it's a good sign late in the season to, to for the Seahawks to show a little sign of life. Without question. I mean, they won the turnover battle by three. That was big. And frankly, the Lions didn't slow down. I mean, they, they, they made this thing almost interesting near the end where they're chipping away, and I'm like, can they get a... Uh, you know, uh, another turnover, you know, some big play to get back in this thing because they were down early. But, you know, you're losing 31 to 7 at the half. You would think you just get rolled and they kind of did. Don't get me wrong. But I do like the way the Lions play, I guess, is my bottom line. You mentioned Dynasty. I urge everyone to check out Locked on Dynasty because we did a real deep dive on Amon St. Brown. Uh, that'll show up tomorrow, you know, his value and where he's at. And we had a big, long talk about Rashad Penny, too. And the, I don't know that I'm a Penny believer, but he is – him and Sony Michelle have been the two leading rushers, you know, since December 1st. And Penny's number one. So – It's crazy. To have something like that finally for this offense is encouraging, at least. I mean, they've asked a lot out of Wilson, and, you know, it's just too much. 
And uh, that's tough, too, on the other side for those folks who got DeAndre Swift back for their final and put him in there. And he I was had four carries for 32 yards. That's rough. Yeah. Um, one more note on Seattle is leading into this game, and it probably is going to hold true, they run so few snaps. We've talked about that through the course of the year that it's almost like they were on pace to play basically two fewer games of offense than league average. Oof. And in this game, they actually ran 71 snaps. You know, like they're actually staying out there, sustaining some offense, getting first downs, doing things that decent offenses do. We actually have a Twitter question about DK Metcalf and his dynasty value as well. So maybe a little dynasty conversation Mm. on tomorrow's mailbag, Matt. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. For your second listen, check out Matt's podcast, Locked On Dynasty Football. You can find me at Locked On 49ers, Locked On Bets with your boy Q, talking about the sports betting universe every day. Tons of content here on the network for no matter what you're looking for and no matter your favorite professional or college sports team. Matt and I, back tomorrow. Right here, Peacock and Williamson.